and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Thank you for joining me again. As we did in the 14th episode, we're going to do a short guided meditation in the practical application part of this one. You shouldn't listen to this part of the episode if you're driving or operating heavy machinery. Okay, that's out of the way. Now let's get on with it. Verse 28. Staying close to inner nature. One keeps weakness while knowing what strength is, and serves as the humblest brook for the world. Being the humblest, one can receive best until one returns to the weakest infant. One keeps dark while knowing what the light is, and serves as a basic model for the world. Being the basic model, one can receive properly until one returns to the oneness without polar opposition. One keeps disgrace while knowing what glory is and serves as the lowest valley for the world. Being the lowest, one can receive enough to return to the most original simplicity. Followed by people, this simplicity can shape the world. The wise use it as the example for the government. The big system is, therefore, an indivisible, simple whole. That's verse 28 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Yi Wu. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. I feel like part one talks about our personal disposition, and then part two kind of talks about our social disposition. So there's one thing that I'd like to start off, or at least put into context here, is in this verse, Lao Tzu talks an awful lot about keeping to the dark while knowing what the light is, keeping to weakness while knowing what strength is, keeping to disgrace while knowing what glory is. 
And these are all different ways of kind of talking about the yin and the yang. The yin being the no action and the yang being the action. So just like we've heard before, the yin is the dark energy, the energy where everything is possible, and then yang is the energy that sort of manifests into what actually physically is. And so, proceeding with that context, the rest of it kind of makes sense. In this verse, I feel like both parts actually kind of like meld into each other. If you picture a Venn diagram, you have a circle on the left and a circle on the right, and you smush them together a little bit, and you still have the circle on the left, and you still have the circle on the right, but there's that point in the middle where they kind of just merge, and I feel like that's kind of what this verse is doing in the parts. Like, it's it's not so clearly defined for me as as most of the other verses are. But we do talk about personal stuff, and we talk about social stuff. So on the personal side, I think it's where we're talking about keeping weakness while knowing what strength is, and... Um, keeping disgrace while knowing what glory is and being the lowest one can receive enough. I think it's basically understanding that we have this inner nature. We have this life force within us. We have these, this feeling of contentment, this love, compassion, modesty, all those and humility. Those all are things that we always have with us. And if we know what those are, um, we can we can stay closer to them, and so what I mean by that is, it, you know, I know I know how to act with my ego, right? I know how to act with other people. I know how to make things happen in the world and <laughs> exert my will and influence on others. But that's not necessarily the point of doing the Tao, is it? It's more keeping close to my inner nature while knowing that. A, a little while back, we talked about. Uh, the sage traveling all day, but never leaving the baggage wagons. <laughs> I, I feel like this is a similar analogy, right? Only maybe with a little more specificity, keeping weakness while knowing what strength is, um, keeping to the dark while knowing what the light is, keeping disgrace while knowing what glory is. So that's, those are all kind of examples of how we can travel without leaving the baggage wagon, I suppose, in this, in this part. So let's talk about like the social disposition part. Like, so we just talked about the personal staying close to inner nature. What about the social? Well, the clue for me was in the last uh, three lines of this verse where it says, followed by people, the simplicity can shape the world. The wise use it as the example for the government or in this, we could substitute wise for sage, right? So, and then it closes with the big system is therefore an indivisible, simple whole. All right. So what my takeaway was is, okay, if I know my inner nature and I can keep close to my inner nature, then can I help others do that as well? Yeah, maybe they're not um, as close to their inner natures as they would like to be. And by leading by example, perhaps I could actually help them get closer to that. So that's what I feel like the second part of this verse is kind of talking about. So let's put that back together uh, in terms of the actual parts of the verse. Okay, so let's remember that verse 28 has two parts to it. One is personal disposition, and the second one is social disposition. How they fit together is, in the first part, we're talking all about like 
knowing one thing but keeping to another so that's basically holding staying close to our inner nature and then part two kind of melds into how we can help others stay close to their inner natures so let's go ahead and hear that verse again i'll read verse 28 one more time One keeps weakness while knowing what strength is, and serves as the humblest brook for the world. Being the humblest, one can receive best, until one returns to be the weakest infant. One keeps to the dark while knowing what the light is, and serves as a basic model for the world. Being the basic model, one can receive properly until one returns to the oneness without polar opposition. One keeps disgrace while knowing what glory is, and serves as the lowest valley for the world. Being the lowest, one can receive enough to return to the most original simplicity. Followed by people, this simplicity can shape the world. The wise use it as the example for the government. The big system is, therefore, an indivisible, simple whole. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering staying close to inner nature. There are two things. Number one is keeping close to my original or inner nature. And number two is helping others to use their original or inner natures. Keeping close to my original or inner nature. I recently had an experience where... In meditation, I felt this little glow inside of me. Maybe you've felt this before, and maybe you've had other experiences. I've been meditated regularly for a few years now, and this was a new experience for me. It didn't feel warm, but that's how I might describe it. It wasn't a light, but that's how I might describe it. Like, I didn't see anything with my eyes closed, but it did feel like some energy just kind of sitting there, not really doing anything except just being there. And as I kept my attention on this feeling, I became more aware of it. I realized that for me, I was experiencing my original nature as I understand it for right now. And that, I think, is what Lao Tzu is alluding to in this entire verse. I'm interpreting this as, know this feeling, we all have it, all you need to do is recognize it and stay close to that thing. If you stay close to that thing, you'll be fulfilling your purpose, learning and helping others. Let's break that down a bit. Being aware of strength, but keeping to weakness, to me, means something like, yes, I can take action, but I don't always have to take action. Sometimes, instead of giving, I can receive. And sometimes, when I feel the need to be aggressive, I can choose to be passive. Do you remember when we talked about the solid being the master of the light and stillness being the master of action in verse 26? I kind of feel like this is the same principle. In other words, action is produced from a place of non-action. So I can know that I have the option to go out and exert myself on the world, but if I abstain from that, I become what Lao Tzu calls the valley of the world. Okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> the valley. Well, remember in verse 6, we talked about the spirit of the valley? The valley is the space of nothing, 
Yet everything flows into it and therefore it holds all of life. So if I realize that I can take action and exert myself on the world but don't, I allow things to come to me instead. And instead of the taker, I am the giver. I am the valley. I am the servant. I am closer to my personal inner nature, which of course is the Tao within. The Tao within, in my interpretation, seems to be the purity of the child or the innocence of youth. It's that sense I have when I'm brand new in the world before I start crafting my sense of me, mine, my sense of identity, my sense of ambition. So now the first part of this verse is starting to make sense to me. And allowing things to be as they are, by practicing acceptance and tolerance, I'm keeping to the yin without being the yang, my inner nature. I'm not exerting my temporary will and influence on external things around me. Rather, I'm conserving my energies so that I may focus on staying close to being the spirit of the valley, or allowing life and its gifts to flow toward me. In allowing and observing this as it happens, I actually find fulfillment, which is what I was looking for the whole time anyways. And it's super crazy that in order to experience it, all I have to do is nothing. (laughs) I think that's because it's always there. I mean, it's always been there. It's been my pursuit of things external to me that have kept me distracted from recognizing that my inner nature, my innocence, my inner feeling of contentment and beauty, of wholeness, has been there the whole time I've been alive. I've just covered it up by thinking that physical reality was going to give me what I wanted. I think the main takeaway for the first part of this verse is this. When I can connect with that inner original nature that we all have inside us, I start to realize what's really important. Yes, paying bills, having a career, and family is important for the external reality. But those things are not the drivers of inner fulfillment like I once thought they were. It turns out that for me, inner fulfillment is actually always there. I just have to abstain from thinking that the external world will produce that feeling of contentment or of wholeness. I can actively practice connecting with that feeling by giving rather than receiving, by accepting, rather than trying to change things, and by actively practicing humility rather than being prideful. So this is a challenge, for sure. From the moment we're born, we start creating this sense of separation, and without realizing it, stray from that inner nature. So, now let's talk about how to recognize that inner nature in those around us, those whom we lead. Helping others to use their original or inner natures. Have you ever used a pencil sharpener? It could be the kind that's mounted on the wall, the handheld one, or even the electric one. Have you ever had the experience where you start sharpening and once in a while you pull it out to see how it's doing? You keep going, pull it out, and see that it's almost sharp enough. And so you start sharpening again. Except when you look at it this time, the fine point has been destroyed and you have to start all over again. If you're trying too hard, you can easily go through two or three of these cycles before you settle for a less than super fine pencil. And perhaps unsatisfied, you use it. And then 15 or 30 minutes later, you find that the thing was sharpened well enough in the first place. So I'll admit, this seems a little oddly specific. Yes, I have 
basically done this before. <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one. I don't think so. I feel like Lao Tzu is talking about this in the second part of this verse. We are the pencils, and honor and glory are the sharpeners. If we forget that we're the ones who have the writing power inside of us, we allow honor and glory to continue grinding us down into pursuit of a beautiful and sharp existence. Only guess what? The sharpest pencil begins to lose its fine point the moment it meets the paper. Let's know about the possibility of honor and glory. Let's be okay with it when it shows up and we receive it. But let's also remember that honor and glory do not the luminous individual make. Honor and glory feel great. But as with all things, they are temporary. And those things are not the devices through which we experience fulfillment. Our inner original natures are. Just like the lead inside the pencil, our inner natures are so integral to us that they cannot be removed. We are our original natures, and they've been there the whole time. They've literally been baked into us. <laughs> so we don't necessarily need the sharpener to remind us that we all have the innate capability to write with our inner pencil. Or, put in the way Lao Tzu says, our inner luminous selves. So the theme of the first part repeats in the second part here. Only Lao Tzu moves from a very personal feeling of the spirit of the valley to sort of a public one. Certainly an external one. He says that by staying simple during the times when we don't have to, we remain unblemished by that urge to get more. Further, he says, when you do go to try and get more recognition, more prestige, you use what you can and gather other people around you who want it as well. When you start doing that, you start disassembling everyone around you and they become less of themselves by nature of the process. So how do we think about this in terms of working together as a team and getting things done? Doesn't everyone have to share the workload and use their own specialties? Don't some folks need to be taught, mentored, and coached? Of course, yes. I think what we are called to do here is to try and not make people into something more than they are. As a former manager and leader, I remember trying to do this. Most of my leaders tried to do this. There were a very few, however, that seemed to have the gift of inner vision. They were able to see what a person's nature was and allow those people to use their own gifts to contribute in the way that made sense for them. And you know what? The people under those leaders performed better than they had before. They had this energy about them. They took ownership of their particular area of expertise, not pridefully, but zestfully. And this inspired others around them to perform better as well. I always figured that this was an art form that either you were born with or not. But now I realize that while it may come more naturally for some than others, this is an ability we all possess. The ability to see others' original natures with our inner vision. But it, like everything else that's worth it, takes patient practice. I can sharpen my pencil until it's good enough to write, but when I overdo it, I lose its point. Likewise, I can see the inner ability of others, but if I try to sharpen them by trying too hard to lead them with micromanaging or with misaligned incentives, I will likely keep messing with the potential of their abilities to shine through and become who they already are on the inside. So, 
I feel the takeaway from the second part of this verse is similar to the first part with a look towards the external. Just like I can recognize that inner original nature in myself, I can practice recognizing it in others, and, when given the opportunity, I can work to allow them to be themselves, knowing that their inner natures are far more powerful than anything I could hope to fashion myself. To wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering staying close to inner nature, I thought about two things. Number one was keeping close to my original or inner nature. And then number two was helping others to use their original or inner natures. For the final piece of this episode, I thought we could perform a short little meditation that would allow us to connect with our inner natures. As with any meditation, you should not listen to this or participate if you are driving or operating heavy machinery. If meditation isn't your thing, that's okay. I want to thank you for coming this far with me, and I'll see you in the next episode. If meditation is your thing, let's get on with it. All right. Let's begin by sitting or lying down in a comfortable position. Your eyes can be opened or closed. It's whatever makes you comfortable and able to focus inwardly. Let's take a moment to observe our breathing. The in-breath. The out-breath. How's that feel inside your body when you inhale? How's it feel when you exhale? Your breath doesn't have to be deep or long or short and shallow. Just let your breath find its natural rhythm and observe. That's good. By now, you'll probably notice that some thoughts have popped into your head. And that's okay. Your brain's just being your brain. And we don't need to try and stop any of those thoughts from coming in right now. Just do nothing. Allow them to come and go. It's okay to get caught up in a thought and follow it around for a while. That's natural. When you become aware that you're paying attention to your thoughts, just gently shift your focus back to your breath. So let's go ahead and set our intention for this meditation. Let's ask the Tao to show us something new. Let's ask for a new experience with our inner nature and the Tao. Thank you. I'd like you to become aware of your senses now. 
your sense of touch, your sense of hearing, your sense of taste, smell, and of sight. If you don't have the use of a particular sense, that's okay. Just concentrate on the ones that you can feel. Just sit with your senses for a moment. They're always on to varying degrees, aren't they? Your brain is always working. And your senses are always sensing. So let's stretch our senses for a moment. Pick one that you'd like to pay attention to. Become aware of all the input that is sending to your brain. Become aware of all the sensations that you're actually having with it right now in stillness. Now let's turn inward. I'd like you to notice how you're feeling at the core of your body. Can you feel your life force? It's that thing which is always on, always in the background, making you feel alive. Maybe it feels like a warm glow inside. Maybe it starts in your diaphragm right below your rib cage. And wherever it is, imagine that warm glow is a pool of love and well-being. Imagine it being there, just glowing softly to itself. Allow it to move with your breathing, expanding, contracting. And just like we did with the senses, we're going to stretch this feeling a little. Can you become aware of everywhere this little warm glow is touching? Can you feel it reaching into your chest and your stomach? Can you feel it gently pushing to other parts of your body? Let's just spend a little bit of time with this. This feeling is your inner nature. This is you. You can remember to become aware of this feeling at any time, night or day. When you keep this feeling close, you can see that the honor, 
the glory, the prestige. They're just extras that you don't need to feel this feeling right now, to feel you. And just like our senses, this feeling is always on, always there. All we need to do is become aware of it again. Okay, so let's end the meditation now. You don't need to close this feeling out. Just allow it to come out of meditation with you. Remember your senses. Remember which one you paid attention to. And remember that it's still on too. And remember your breath. Always there. Always going. Go ahead and wiggle your toes, your fingers. And when you're ready, your arms and legs. Open your eyes now if they've been closed and look around you. Can you still feel that inner feeling? Remember that you can access this at any time. This episode's meditation was just a short version. You can make it longer on your own if you wish, or shorter too. <laughs> now, remember that others can access this feeling too. Perhaps you can help others become aware of this feeling for themselves. Perhaps you can recognize when they're feeling it. Let's go ahead and wrap everything up now. I would like to thank you for joining me, and I wish you compassion, contentment, Enjoy. To close out this episode, I'll read verse 28 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Yi Wu one more time. One keeps weakness while knowing what strength is, and serves as the humblest brook for the world. Being the humblest, one can receive best until one returns to be the weakest infant. One keeps to the dark while knowing what the light is, and serves as a basic model for the world. Being the basic model, one can receive properly until one returns to the oneness without polar opposition. One keeps disgrace while knowing what glory is, and serves as the lowest valley for the world. Being the lowest, one can receive enough to return to the most original simplicity. Followed by people, this simplicity can shape the world. The wise use it as the example for the government. The big system is, therefore, an indivisible, simple whole. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. 
And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.